I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Creator Generation. Generation <laughs> Just stretch that pause even bigger. Uh, what's happening this week? Mate. It's different. It is a bit different. End of season one, 37 weeks down, and uh, it's a bit of a wrap-up. 37 weeks of us talking at people. Uh, and two people. Yeah, I think it's been yeah. pretty. It's been, it's been good. It's been good. I don't think we talk directly at everyone. I think we've we've uh, opened up some doors. I think we've asked some pertinent questions. I think we've got some good responses. I think we've helped educate and illuminate the public. What do you, don't you think? Yeah? Well, I agree. It's good. <laughs> hey, um, no guests this week. No. Nope. So what what are we gonna talk about? Mate, we're gonna talk about a lot of things. We're gonna reflect back at some of our favorite bits, but mainly we're gonna answer some of the questions that we keep seeing and uh, share a little bit of our own knowledge good thing to do let's do that yeah let's get into it <laughs> well i want to kick off let's get into it ah oh, snap 37 <laughs> weeks and fail what's your favorite app so far then uh i think my favorite app was the one where uh mark from self-sufficient me called you uh broccoli um he said you look like broccoli i'm pretty sure <laughs> that was that was my favorite just, one um just straight to it. Yeah, the bird, uh, it was, it was, it was good. It was great. I think, no, I mean, he had a lot of great things to say. I think it was really interesting. Um, the idea of self-sufficiency has become so big and so popular at the moment, and he's just a great guy and so informative. Plus, he's a, an old dog who's learned some new tricks. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. How about you, Ant? What's in your favourite bit? In a way. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone thinks YouTube's a, a young person's game, and Mark is like pushing 50 or just over. <laughs> I don't know, Mark. I'm sorry, but you call me broccoli, man. You could be 65, whatever. <laughs> not an old dude, but he's not a 25-year-old, and he's uh, doing really well on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. How about you, Ant? I don't know. It's like my favorite. It's like choosing your favorite child. I have one, but I don't tell them that. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to go with Beauty News. I think that was our, our first one, and um, the girls were a lot of fun and heaps of insights, and like we kind of made them look like booze hounds. If you watch the YouTube version of that one, they we made them hold their drinks up high off the table so they didn't <laughs> stuff with the audio. Uh, so like we had a couple of beers and ciders while we were recording that one. It was a bit of fun. And um, it, yeah, it's the, the first child I think it was, you know of of the Creator Generation podcast. So you know, yeah, and we did we did that one from a um, a shipping container too. I think we did. Yeah, that was a bad idea. The yeah. audio was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Um, any other, you got any second favorites or oh, a bunch all... of ones I really liked. I think, um, Matt Gillen had a really, probably the most, one of the most informative ones we did when he talked about the algorithm and, and formats and structures. I've always got a lot of good uh, feedback from that one. I also liked, Especially um, when you got all sweary Matt. And <laughs> sweary. Matt <laughs> yeah. Passionate sweary Matt. That was fun. Yeah. Um, also Tom Thumb was a great episode too. It's really, I mean, he Ooh. did the intro music to, um, to this podcast, which we love and have, right. yeah, and I'm, I, you know, I'm out there practicing my beatboxing on the streets every Saturday night because of that episode. So <laughs> it's my first and last attempt ever at beatboxing. I think. Uh, I think we should just have a quick listen back to to that bit there. I couldn't even, yeah, like I watched the tutorial a couple of times, and I was like, just trying to, just trying to understand you and your world a bit more, and I'm like. Tom just says, yeah, you just you say taka taka, and you say that a couple of times, and it's like, yeah. Ah, uh, great. Um, yeah, so there have been a bunch of great, well, you know, thinking about this, there are so many um, good episodes, and there's a lot of good information there. Um, mm. But, you know what, I think one of the things that came out of this was um, a lot of people had, 
like a lot of questions like we couldn't necessarily answer um you know <laughs> because we do new guests every week so we thought we would get through a couple of them today um so i thought we'd just rock straight into it what do you think ed yep all right um ooh, do you want to start or do you want me no i think you should start this one actually came up the other day people are always like oh i i can't be on camera therefore i can't be a youtuber or i suck at being on camera mm. um and they always want tips and advice on on that area what do you reckon oh all right um i think i I don't think i've ever met a youtuber a successful one who said oh i was great from the start i think everyone realizes it's a process um and everyone's gonna be at a different pace right you're gonna start you're gonna feel stupid and you're gonna feel not that confident but you do it enough and you start to build that groove and that confidence and it's just a it's just actually a matter of getting started and that's the hardest thing is taking that first step yeah definitely like we've made i don't know hundreds of videos mm. now but mm. i'm not good video talent typically and i everyone might be surprised to hear that no you are terrible um yeah and i <laughs> you just got to get in front of the camera practice and practice before you get in front of the camera and sort of know what you're going to say the other thing is you don't have to be in front of the camera to be a youtuber i think that's like you know maybe use that as a cre- creative constraint to um how are you going to make interesting, different content? Like the internet historian isn't in any of his videos, mm. uh, his voice is, but his face isn't. So, you know, and that was part of it. He didn't want to be on camera. Yeah, actually, I think thinking about some of my favorite creators, they're actually not on camera at all. They just do videos or they have interesting ways mm-hmm. to tell the story. Sometimes they don't even they don't even feature in the videos themselves. Yeah, there's lots of uh, creative ways to It doesn't have to be about you, I guess, no. as well. But, yeah, if you are going to be on the front of the camera practice suck it up mm. um get in front of the thing and matt Tabor was like who are you gonna disappoint like the no subscribers you have at the moment like kind of all on you at the moment like yeah you sort of got to dance with your fear and and if you want to give this a crack you're gonna have to just suck it up and have a go mm. sounds harsh yeah, but that's a, you gotta get started somewhere all right so here's something we get asked a lot um it's about equipment and people are always saying, like, you know, if I want to start a channel, like, what camera should I use? Like, what do I need? What, like, what, which is the one that's going to make me look great? What camera do you need? Mm. Whatever one you have. Yeah. Um, it sounds really cliche, right? But it, it's so, so true. I reckon this is, like, almost a fallback excuse a lot of people use. Like, oh, I'm just waiting till I get the right camera and then I'm going to make videos. Um, most people have a phone that can do a really, really good job. And I think we were talking about this the other last week at a YouTube workshop we were hosting in, in New Zealand and someone asked that question and it was like, and most of the YouTube creators we know don't even know what camera they're using. And these are very, very successful YouTubers, right? Like it's like a Canon something, something, mm. or it's a yeah. secondhand GoPro Darren Levy bought at the, uh, at a garage sale, you know, yeah. and still works really well. It's true. I mean, we learned, especially when we're doing the interviews for Change of College and all those creators giving feedback, whenever we ask them, like, what camera do you use? I think nearly half of them were like, uh, I'm not really sure. They had to go over and check the camera. Um, and, and like you said, there's two parts. It's often like what you have, um, but also what you're comfortable with. Um, most cameras now can do a very decent job. You know, it's not like you got those old school cameras that, you know, required tape or anything like that. Everything can pretty much take video. And yeah, and what's most important though is the format and the story and the personality you bring to it. Yeah, 
and then if you're going going to improve any of your equipment, sound, right? Like mm. if you, you know, there's a certain level of footage that's acceptable, but you once sound gets a little bit unclear or um, annoying, that's when people are going to really arc up and and bail out of of watching your content, and that's not. I don't think that's expensive equipment. That's like stuff that you can plug in for like 30 or 60 bucks, even straight into your phone. Mm. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah. There are a couple of trends we've seen. Um, the first rule is generally try not to use onboard sound. That means the sound that onboard your camera because it's quite usually quite tinny and quite average. Um, you'd want to have some sort of external recording equipment, whether it's like a, a small attachment or something, you know, uh, a little bit better quality, like something from Rode. Um, and ideally you want to get it as close to the subject as possible to pick up a clearer sound as possible. Um, and if you do that, um, yeah, the sounds great and it sounds so much better. And often you can have, like you said, average footage, but good sound will really make the production great. But, um, even if it's great footage and you have terrible sound, people are not going to stick around. They generally don't like that. And look, and we, we do commercial work as well. We have in the past and the one that, that rule in the industry is like, you know, you can skimp in other places, but you never skimp on the sound. Hey, um, what about... Let's keep technical just for one one more question because we always get tons of technical questions. And to be honest, I don't know. I'm not as technical as as most, but I don't think they're as important as others. So we'll that's other elements of creating great content. But people always ask about editing software. Which editing software should I use? You know, should I be doing this, that, or anything like? What do you, you know? What do you reckon? Once again, it I think it's what you're comfortable with. Most editing software they can do you know, a good base level job, which will get away for most videos. Um, you know, we have excellent creators like, um, you know, Mark from Self-Sufficient Me uses um, Sony Vegas, which is you know, pretty straightforward. No one knows what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, oh. it, it's something. Um, and, um, you know, there's some people who still use iMovie, you know, and, and it still works fine. they got, you know, hundreds of thousands of subscribers. So, it's really about the way you tell the story. Editing is about creating moments um, with the footage and creating a certain amount of pace, and you can pretty much do that with any editing software by definition. Um, so, you know, start with what you're comfortable with and start building up. I mean, the industry standard, you're getting into things like uh, Adobe Premiere, which, you know, we use and is very powerful and has a lot of features, but you've got to be able to understand all those features as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really up to you. I, I honestly do feel that nearly all the editing software out there will do a decent base level job it's up to you in order to learn where to create those moments and build that pace and as your skills grow start moving up to um, the more advanced ones like Premiere I agree <laughs> with what you said <laughs> alright Fred what do you got I think another question we get asked a lot about is uh, about frequency how often like a creator should upload a video um, and what oh, the yeah. you know what's optimal for the algorithm um, which is <laughs> and it's a, yeah no, it's, a, it's an interesting one because <laughs> <laughs> there is uh, so much rubbish out there yeah, about this. Right? There is. Like, yeah. Um, you got to you got to do it every day, though, right? Like, if you can get a video up every day, <laughs> oh, I'd say like, you know twice a day is probably what you're looking for. Twice a day. Yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully, the sarcasm is being picked up there because no, you don't have to do it every day. Yeah, I think like, I look. I, this is one like I actually we a lot like um, pretty much every. YouTube workshop that we host, people ask that question. And I was just on like the Australian YouTube, Australian YouTubers Facebook page yesterday. And like one of the, someone had posted a question saying, Hey, I went from three videos a week to daily videos recently. And I've been doing it for a year. And it's like, yeah, my views have increased, 
but like I do nine times the amount the work that I used to for like three times the amount of views and I can't keep doing this. Maybe what what should I do? It's like, um stop. Oh, yeah, it's a little it's epic. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> um, I have no idea how someone does it. Um, I think they said there's average of like five hours per video minimum. Yeah, it, it is a lot of effort. I, I think they, um, I think people often think, oh, algorithmically, like if I do this, then I will be rewarded and it'll be awesome. And I think more often than not, people do this increase the pace and they often find that it doesn't equate to success necessarily. Um, and that's because the algorithms basically follow viewer trends right they follow what the viewer wants so if people want more content you know it'll try and serve them more content it doesn't sit there in the background thinking you must produce x amount of content in order to be successful i mean you've got creators like um you know primitive technology john plant who does like one a month you've got people like um the historian who does like one every two to three months sometimes and you know those channels are some of the fastest growing on youtube um because the audience love that and 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 they're massively massively served by the system you know it's it's not as if the algorithm goes oh now it's once every three months i'm gonna you know take a take that away from you it's because they create content people want to see and there's demand for that and the system sees that and it serves it out to them so it's really i mean we always say this like start with what you can manage right if you can do one a month and you can do that consistently then do one a month if you can do one a week do one a week Um, and as the audience starts to invest more time in what you're doing and wants to see more and then you start putting out more and more you'll you'll get more views right Um, but if you're putting out one great video a month or, you know, four bad ones or average ones a month, I'd probably go for the one good one a month. Well, I think that's the thing, like what the, the quality or the value to the audience, right? Like if you can, if you can make one video a day and you can make them and get them out, good on you. But if you can, you know, if that's not really good quality content, then you're wasting everyone's time and you're not going to get views. Um, but if you can make one great video a week or one great video a month or one every six weeks do that definitely more is not better more is well i think it's actually back to my favorite episode beauty news i think there's a quote from that more is never better like, <laughs> I like that. Like, well, they're very they're very uh definitive when they say something but it's true it's like more is never better well no, look, that's not necessarily the case sometimes more know, is better right. if the audience wants it but yeah often people misunderstand they just okay. assume that more equals better and that's not the case Anyone ever <laughs> told you that I hate those? I never get to use them. They're really great. Oh, oh. <laughs> Only uh, one I like is the one where uh, Tom Thumb starts beatboxing. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I'm on the mic, create a generation of hype. That one. Oh, that was that. That's that's me. Um, oh, right, there's yeah. a better one with Tom, but that's all right. Yeah, I, I go all right. All right. Hey, Ant, what's next? What's the next question? Should I sign up to an MCN? Yes or no? Well, no, no. very nuanced <laughs> question. It is a bit of a nuance. Look, uh, I think MCNs have changed a lot. Like when they first started, uh, an MCN is a multi-channel network. Um, you know, they offered a lot of help um, to creators, and YouTube was at a different point in its evolution. And now it's a much more advanced system where I don't necessarily think creators need MCNs um, to succeed. Um, there are, I guess, some out there that might be doing a decent job, but generally more than more than anything else, we see it's, it's probably in, in most cases not worth joining an MCN. Um, you can do a lot yourself. 
um, and with the assistance from you know YouTube directly and a whole bunch of other little bits and pieces of um, software you can get. Um, and I'd always start with that and see how you go because often with MCNs there's a lock-in element there which is very frustrating and very technical. Um, and you're also the whim of the MCN and if something happens to the MCN then it can drag on and affect you. Or, you know, So we've seen a lot of MCNs go out of business lately and that's affected creators. So you know, you got to take all that into consideration. But if you are like a mega, mega creator um, and you're getting a particularly good deal, you might want to consider it. But you know, there are a lot of options out there so I would definitely... Definitely very, very carefully weighed up because they were designed for a different type of YouTube. I got nothing to add on that. I'm like, <laughs> just thinking, I'm like. Yes, that was a. Please, please. I got some other, I got some other one. I got this one. What, like, what, like, I got this what, one. What the, like, the, I got this one. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. That there you go. I got all, I got all those. I've forgotten what all the buttons You got them out? Yeah. You got I them think, out of your system? I think so. Oh, wait, hold yeah. on. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That one too. So, what, like, what's the worst kind of anecdote you've heard of uh, MCN? So, um, like, yeah, scenario? the lock-in one's probably the, hard, Tricky, the hardest one. And look, don't forget, the MCNs are dealing, to make it viable, they have to deal with a lot of creators, right? Like, so often thousands of different creators. So, they've created processes and systems internally to manage that many creators. So, people, well, creators go into thinking, oh, I'm going to have, like, you know, direct one-on-one communication. It's going to be great. And they often don't get that. And it feels very, like, mechanical, um, and even some big creators feel that way, you know. Um, and I've heard stories of them saying, you know, I'm in an MCN and I'm, you know, getting meant to get certain deals from it, and you know, I'm trying to have the conversation, but I'm not getting anything back, or what I'm getting back is not at all what we talked about. So, you know, there are things like that. Um, the lock-ins can be a little bit tricky as well, um, because obviously the MCN wants to keep you in there um, in order to make things happen. And they say, you know, you're going to get better rates for your advertising. Yes, you can technically do that, but. You know, at the scale most people are at, it, it, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. So I think generally speaking, like unless you're getting a tremendous deal, it's something I'd probably like, you know, rethink very carefully um, because there's so much you can do um, in, in, in your own way. And look, there are rumors of new things happening on YouTube where YouTube's going to give you possibly, possibly more um, advanced tools that the MCNs had that you didn't have previously in order to help manage certain things. So... Like I said, YouTube, the MCNs existed in a time where YouTube wasn't as sophisticated as it is right now. So that is, they're trying to sort of catch up and, you know, create new value. But I think it's like the new versions of what the MCN are or who, who's out there. You should be looking at who's out there offering me really good new value compared to what MCNs are, which are t- typically patching up an old system to try and offer it as something new. And I think um, Jim Lauderback when we had it earlier on in the podcast sort of covers, uh, tells a good story about how the rise and the, not fall, but the the rise and change of the business models in, in uh, MCN land and YouTubers, I think is pretty, because he was, uh, he was at the forefront of one of the first M- MCNs running the show. So mm. he, he sort of knows as well. So um, yeah, we should check that one out. If you haven't listened to that, I think it's like a third episode, maybe fourth yeah i think it was about uh, dive back in scroll down you'll find it yeah all right uh next question um what's the biggest mistake you see new creators make there's a few mm, there are a couple one is like not actually really understanding the, the how the platform works i think a lot of people go into uh creating youtube content from being a watcher of youtube content which makes perfect sense but um surprising number haven't really considered how things end up in front of them and why they watch certain videos and why they 
um, follow certain creators or get served different things or why they click on things. Um, so that then when they go to create content, they haven't really got a foundational knowledge of the space that they're working in. I think, Fred, you've, you've got your analogy about um, a new part. Oh, I'm going to butcher this, but anyway, like a this is Fred's analogy and Ant will present it. <laughs> Hello. Um, but, you know, essentially, like if, you know, if you're, you want to be a pilot and you wanted to learn about flying a plane, you'd learnt everything about flying said plane and all the buttons and the toggles and the wingtips and the other nerdy stuff that Fred nerds out on because he's a plane nerd. <laughs> and you learnt all about the plane, but you didn't know anything about the sky or the weather or anything else about that stuff happening outside of your plane and you're not going to be a very good pilot. That's the, the analogy of being a YouTuber where you, you might know how to use your camera and make content, but you don't understand the field of play where you're uploading that to a YouTube. You, chances are you're not going to succeed. Um, yeah, exactly. People... Exactly. Right. I mean, that, that, that's true. If you don't think about the environment you're operating in, it's always going to be, it's always going to be tricky. Um, and then what that also breeds is, you know, misunderstanding. And then you see a lot of, you know, angry people on forums saying, oh, YouTube did this to me and YouTube did that to me. Where it's, you know, if you understand fundamentally more about the platform and how it works and, you know, how, you know, for example, the algorithms follow the viewer and how much of it is trying to, you know, keep people watching content and keep it relevant to them, things start to make a lot more sense, right? And a lot of new creators are just like, oh, the algorithm's not working in my favor. Oh, I'm putting up new videos and no one's watching them. But they're not thinking about that environment they're operating in, which is which is so key to it. And, you know, I think in nearly all the events we hold, um, we always have a segment talking directly on that. And it's one of the ones I think the audiences find the most interesting because they never really thought that much about it. So when we sort of take it apart and show them, like, you know, this is what YouTube is, this is what it's trying to do, and this is how it's how it's doing what it does, people don't often feel, oh, there's that aha moment. And like, oh, yeah. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, yeah, I should really be working with the machine rather than, you know, pouring sand into the gears of it, as, as Matt Geelan says. You know, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, the, other, the other thing I think um, we see a lot is, like, people really overthink their content. Like, they spend a lot of time trying to create the perfect, perfect content. Um, you know, it's not it's not like a television production. You don't have to put in massive amounts of production quality. Um, it's more about creating that connection. I mean, YouTube is a very personal platform. People watch it typically to be entertained in a very specific way um, on a specific topic. You know, it's about following passion and, you know, investing time in passionate creators. So it's, I think that's probably the most important thing is to focus on what you're passionate about and not think about what's necessarily going to be really popular um, and how it's going to look really, really, really good. Right. I mean, obviously you want a certain level of quality in your videos, um, but start thinking about how you're going to, bring your passion about the subject through and how you're going to connect with the audience because that's what's really going to, going to sell it. Definitely. One other thing I keep seeing that frustrates me no end is people just copying exactly what other they've seen other people do. Mm. Please be influenced by other content and other creators. Like that's, you know, like that. great, do it. But do it your way. Like there's, uh, you know, at the height of Casey Neistat's daily vlogs, there would have been thousands of kids teenage boys all over the world creating their version of Casey Neistat vlogs. Mm. But poor, like if you take a photocopy of a photocopy, just not it. Unless you're going to be better than that person at whatever it is, <laughs> don't try and, and copy and, and do exactly what they're doing. I think like do you, do you do it your way. you got a daily vlog, cool. But do your daily version of the daily vlog. If you've mm. got a you know cooking show, don't just copy the most popular one learn from it by all means but don't 
emulate it to a point where you're trying to be them because you'll never, you can't be them. Mm, exactly. Which you see that a lot. All right. Next question. Money. I want to make money on YouTube. Lots of it. <laughs> is it possible? I got asked that the other night. Like, it's like in a, that at a at a YouTube workshop where someone was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's great, but can I really make a career out of YouTube?" Like, yeah. you, know, you guys, like, essentially, they're calling us out. Like, you, you know, are you full of shit, or is this like? It's it's funny because that work that workshop was on how to build a career and you know earn revenue on YouTube and it's like can you really do this I'm like yes yeah, like the examples we're giving you are real they're not fake people who have who've done it this way right but um yeah look there is there is you know money to be made on YouTube I think the misconception here is that um, YouTube ad revenue dollars are the way to do it and it's a pretty straightforward approach um, and it's not it's one YouTube ad revenue is not a lot of money unless you're earning very unless you have very very big um, or high view counts and very high CPMs, um, and also it's very lumpy. You know, it can change with um, different patterns and the economy changes, the numbers go up. As season changes, the numbers go up and down as well. So it can be very very lumpy. And to build uh, a career based on on that is a pretty I think a pretty silly way to do it. Um, so yes, there's definitely ways to earn money on YouTube, but it's about diversifying your revenue um, and understanding the platform and understanding what options exist on the platform and off the platform um, to create a very robust framework for making money. Um, and it's, you know, one of the things we do, um, I guess the audience may not know this, so Ant and I, we're changing part of what we do is, you know, we work with Google and YouTube and their biggest creators to help them become more uh, self-sustaining and diversify their revenue um, we have advanced courses where we show the different ways in which you can do that from, you know, from brand deals to sponsorships to merchandise through, you know, all sorts of different things in order to diversify that out. Um, and, you know, YouTube are building a lot of great tools into the platform from, you know, me- membership, um, super chat, super stickers. Um, they're all becoming more internal, which creates what we call less friction. So the viewer doesn't have to leave the platform in order to, you know, um, partake in a membership or, uh, or an extra feature, which is great. But there are also some really, really great options externally, which you should also explore as well. So if someone hits that 1,000 subs and 4,000 watch hours, should they uh, quit their day job? <laughs> oh, come on. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quit my day job when you get to that point. In fact, I wouldn't quit my day job for a while until you're very confident that you have built up that, that core base, right? Um, you know, we like to say we need to level it. You can use it how many levels you want, but, you know, a level one, which is typically um, low time investment, low amounts of money, then level two, medium amount of invested time, but you're starting to get a bit better revenue. And then there's level three, which, you know, and typically involves a lot of effort, but you get a good uh, return on that. Um, and, you know, once you plan that out and see how you can build your channel um, as a creative business using that structure, then you can start to think, okay, at this point, I'm going to be able to have enough money to quit my day job and put more effort into it, right? It's usually around the level two mark somewhere where you're doing, you know, decent amount of brand deals, um, decent amount of extra income from different uh, different areas. Um, and then you can start leveling up to like level three where you start putting in more commitment into it. Like you're developing courses and go along with your channel, for example, or, you know, um, higher end collaborations or external things on different platforms. Um, and then you can really start to grow that business out. You get that first thousand subs, 4,000 watch hours. It's nice. And you can maybe go buy yourself a happy meal <laughs> off your ad revenue, which is, you know, if you're down with that, um, or some broccoli. 
but yeah, it's the start. It's good on you, but it's a good start. Time to keep time to keep grinding after that. And that's the thing, right? It's it's also it's hard work. It's not easy. And I think we have time for one more question. Uh, it's a big one. How do I get more people to watch my video? That's what everyone wants to know. Everyone keeps asking. I just want more people to watch my videos. Um, and that's not a simple question. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there you got to think about what's the core reason anyone will watch any, anything, right, is to, to stay entertained. Um, so as long as your videos, you know, basically can command someone's attention, then, well, that's the first thing. Now, you can do that in completely different ways. There's no one formula in that because everyone does different types of content, right? So, for example... You might have a how-to channel explaining how to build doors compared to, you know, uh, which is obvious. The, the, there's um, education value in that, whereas you've got a vlogger, um, you know, who shares personal stories, and then there's relational con- um, relational value in that. So there are different types of value being offered, um, but providing that's there and people are engaged with the content, they're going to spend the time watching it. The next step is to figure out how you're actually going to get them to click on the video to watch it in the first place. So you might have the best content in the world, um, but if no one's clicking on it to view it, then, you know, it's never going to go anywhere. Um, like we said, like the YouTube algorithms are designed to service relevant content, but at the end of the day, you know, everyone's a human being and we make the choice to click on those videos to watch them. That's what we've got to start thinking about. Like, how do you get people to watch that? And that comes down to the, the title and thumbnail. And like even, I think, YouTube themselves say it in Creator Insider. Like, spend 99% of the time you spend on meta stuff on your title and thumbnail. Don't worry about tags and other things. Just get those things right because they're the things that help people make the decision to click on your video in the first place. So if they click on your video and you've got great engaging content, you're going to get a lot more views. But if, you know, if you've got a really great Wind. thumbnail and you have a really, yeah, if you're a really bad video, you know, people are going to leave. Um, whereas if you have no, a terrible thumbnail and a great video, no one's going to find it. So, you know, we, we've worked creators who have like amazing content. It's so, so good, but just the absolute worst thumbnails and titles and no one's clicking on them. Um, and it's not getting in them anywhere. And you just make a couple of quick changes and, you know, the whole channel sees a massive lift because people are now viewing these videos. So, you know, that's how you get more people to watch, I guess, your video. One, have a great thumbnail and title, and two, make sure their content is good enough to keep them engaged. Um, and that comes from practice. But yeah, I totally agree. Like, if make great content for a specific audience, like not for everybody, because that's what TV and feature films and all this other stuff's for. YouTube's for, you know, find your specific audience and make great content for them that they will love and they will find worth their time. And yeah, wrap it in a very attractive package with a nice looking thumbnail that is attractive and gets people to click on. Same with the title. Yeah, half. <laughs> that's the hard work done. That's the that is the hard work. Like that's the everything else is comes from that. Well done. That is take the buttons off here. <laughs> All right, Ant. I think we have run out of time. No, 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 no. No? We always always ask our guests what their top three tips are. It's only fair that we, we share our own top three tips to aspiring creators before we wrap this one up. Okay. So, Fred, top three. Me? Oh, okay, he's bringing on me. Okay, um, top three tips. <laughs> I think uh, to aspiring creators, number one, just get started. Um, don't spend too much time overthinking it um, because half the battle is getting things happening. Uh, number two, learn about the platform because you're going to operate on something that you know you don't control. So the more prepared you are and the more you understand about 
the environment you're operating in, the better it's going to be. Remember, YouTube is still, in, in many ways, the gold standard of short-form video because um, the content you create can always be un, unsurfaced later on because it's so easy to find old content and view a back catalogue. Um, so that leads to my third point as well, which is you know ensure you have a good body of content because if people are finding your content, you know, 15 videos in, they go back and watch the rest of it, you know, they want to be entertained and, and engaged. So, yeah, understand the platform, get started, and make sure you create good content that's um, findable and watchable at any point. They're pretty good. Like, they're not bad. Mm. I've got three. Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah, I thought that was very good. All right. What are yours? All right, my, my, my top three, um, create content that you're passionate about. Like, that, that is probably the most important, and that's probably the thing that's going to keep you, keep you going early on you got to create content that you're around a topic that you're interested in in a way that you would like to keep doing it Mm -hmm. um number two is exactly the same as yours frederica understand the platform Mm. um and the last one um is like you do you like do your thing your way um and that's the wonderful thing about platforms like youtube or, or any other social video platform is you can find small pockets of people all over the world that are interested in the thing you're interested in and interested in the way you're telling it or showing it. Um, and you extrapolate that across the globe. And that's a really great big audience of people who are just like you into the same things as you. Um, and that's a really core pillar to success. Mm, indeed. Mm, indeed. Uh, sorry. I wanted to get my last bit in. What are you saying? 38 episodes this in a row. 38 episodes in a row. Yeah. All done. Yeah. Like I said, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, if you have any comments, suggestions, let us know for the next season. Um, otherwise, Anton, we will see you soon. Wait, wait. We also have a creator community app called Creator um, Generation. Yeah. So while we, you won't be able to hear us for the next few weeks, you can uh, come over and talk to us. It's on the App Store or it's on Desktop or on Google Play and it's free. Um, so, yeah, you can do that too. Actually, you know what else? Um, people keep asking us about the theme song that Tom Thumb did for this. So what we're going to do is play the full version of that for you right now so you get to hear it from start to finish and appreciate it in all its glory. As we say, goodbye from season one, and we will see you soon. Bye. Bye. When I'm on the mic, create a generation of hype.